When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everybody, welcome back to the VPZD show. We are on episode 25. I'm here, Dr. Zubin Demania, hospitalist and healthcare communicator. Gu- and guru I- extraordinaire. Oh, the guru you've, you've <laughs> given me the big G. <laughs> the big G, you got it. You finally got and- it. And we have the guru to the stars. I don't know what that means. Vinay Prasad, <laughs> hematologist, yes, oncologist, uh, I'm and a, full professor. I'm a con- concierge physician. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> never never done that. No, that's right. Yes, uh, I'm a professor of medicine, uh, professor of epidemiology and biostatistics here at UCSF. I'm also in the Department of Medicine where I see patients um, in Hemonk. And, uh, and we're the hosts of the VPZD show, which is a medical news show. You know, people don't realize this is really, this is CNN maybe this is the New York Times for mm. medical news. What do you think? I think we're the Atlantic for medical ah, news. We're that, the I'm going to take it to the yeah. next level. Yes. Yeah, and it's Labor Day, and we're doing it anyways because we're so dedicated to the cause that we're willing to do anything, even on a sacred day that celebrates the labor. I'm not really sure what it celebrates, but you know, as immigrants, workers, we know right? Labor Day is the day. It's the day you get ahead in life. It's where you really <laughs> you get a jump on everyone, jump on them because you're working. Actually, as, as yeah. my dad would say. Oh, you're celebrating Labor Day, huh? You mean every single effing day of the year, right? <laughs> because that's when you work every day. Uh, but speaking of which, we the F yeah. the F bombs, the S bombs, the D bombs, the B bombs, yeah, all yeah. the bombs. And by the we way, get... only you have ever used those words on this channel. Only I, only have you, ever <laughs> the forbidden, the <laughs> the unforgivable curses of curse words. Yeah. Now we're both pretty salty mouthed, and we get we hear about it in emails from people that are like, "I really like your show. Uh, we I like the alt middle kind of approach. I like VPs of fire and brimstone." However, uh, yes, the however, there's always a big however. There's yeah, always the three dots. Uh, They're the like, I, and, I really liked when you discussed the fragility of the next generation, but by the way, I can't tolerate hearing even one swear word. So. <laughs> 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 you know, and I'll say this. I'll say this. This is a moral matrix sort of thing. Like they, there is a sensibility of sanctity versus degradation around cursing. And it's not so much, I guess, that they're so sensitive in that sense as they are. Oh, they think it actually defiles the message in some way. Yes. Which, and I, I think they, they mean it well. Yes, they think they it's, mean it well. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But let's be honest, so, what, what is cursing? I mean, philosophically, what is cursing? Cursing is the word that's a little more, you know, spicy. It's a little taboo. It's a little outside of how people conventionally and politely speak. And, you know, just like a spice, if you use the right spices, your food is popping. You know, it's really, I think it's even better than no spice at all. But similarly, I do think you can overspice something. And, uh, and some people just don't like spice, you know, and maybe that's okay. So... Let's give it a shot, huh? 
today we're going to try exa- – I think that's a good way to think about it. Like we like a little spice here and there. Sometimes we overdo it, but when we do it oh, right, I think it's the gold standard. And I get a lot of feedback saying, I listen to you because of the cursing, because it shows well, a kind of authenticity. And there is some yeah. study that you would laugh at, uh, I'm sure, if you looked at the methodology that said that uh, cursing is associated with higher intelligence and more authenticity. And, wow, they should publish you know, that allows- in MMWR. MMWR will take <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll take that right in. <laughs> the Journal of Irreproducible Facts, exactly. Uh, AKA MMWR, um, but yeah. So we'll we'll try our best. But it's Labor Day, so we'll we'll work on. I mean, it. I think that? it's worth it. I mean, I, I just want to prove that I don't have to do it. You know, I'm doing That's it because I is. want. To, I don't have to. And so now for this episode, I will not utter even one inappropriate word. I agree. And if we fail, may um, may we be struck down like Leanna Wen on Twitter. By the mom. <laughs> if we if we fail, you'll get a full refund for the zero dollars you pay for the show. You know that that's another thing. All these people saying, "Where's the show? Where's the show?" I'm like, "Come on, man! It's a freebie." Hey, what do you yeah. want? <laughs> what yeah. do you want? Yeah, what do you want? Exactly, exactly. Oh, thanks yeah. to everyone who supports uh, supports us, supports you on Substack, supports me on my platform. Yeah, that's that's so. for different content, you know. And actually, that's true. I don't want to tell them the secret, but the secret is. Um, uh, I usually make almost everything available uh, eventually, like a, yeah. a little bit later yeah. because cause I'm more interested yeah. in the reach. But let's come back to this Lena Wen. You did a nice video on it. You know, I think you uh, pointed out, uh, you know, so many funny things and uh, talked about that David Zweig. Good of David Zweig to actually get it in Boston Globe. Um, yeah. We talked about it last time. They want to cancel her. You know, it just shows you who wants to be a part of a group where, you know, no one's pure enough to be at the center of the group. You know, it's it's really sort of like a it's like a bad religion, really. You know that yeah. n- no one is pure enough to be in the religion, so ultimately the religion just breaks apart because the purity test is too high. And that's the story of Lena Wen. Yeah, yeah. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, nobody can cast stones. Uh, and ironically, especially like on Twitter, especially yeah. And they're not mad at her for all that. Like, let's keep school closed and treat the unvaccinated <laughs> as pariahs. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's what we, you know. That's what we disagreed with her. But they're not mad right. at her about that. They're mad at her for the um, hey guys, it's getting to year three, and we might want to take it a little easy on this COVID stuff. And they're like, mm. no, screw you. You know, like. I can't. Oh, I can't was... say all the things I was about to say. Sorry, I. <laughs> I know. See, this is the problem. But we're gonna do it. We're gonna stick to it. It's Labor Let's Day, and we're gonna it. treat it as a sacred holiday that it is. Uh, no cursing. It's no curse Labor Day. It's a new tradition at this VPZD show once a year. <laughs> once a year, we, in honor of the labor gods. Um, y- yes, we Zubin, wash our I, I do out. have something very concerning to tell you. Uh oh. I'm sitting here in the studio, and I am holding. A CO2 meter, and I know you're familiar with this. You probably have six or seven around your house and probably two in your in your duffel bag. <laughs> and the CO2 meter is telling me it's 1,900 parts per million, and that is, in fact, my friend, the yellow zone. Oh. I'm in the yellow zone. So yeah. I don't know, Z, if you've seen this, but these tweets are going viral. A number okay. of doctors, epidemiologists. Well, don't, no, no, don't even, don't, oh, don't don't even tell me. Don't you, even tell me yet because okay. <laughs> I have not heard anything about this and I'm going to extrapolate from first principles. Yes, tell me what they're here. doing. Yes. So I'm going to tell you what I think they're doing and you're going to tell me how I'm wrong because I'm sure I'm wrong. Okay, a CO2 meter 
is probably a proxy measure of ventilatory uh, sufficiency in, in a facility. Is there enough ventilation that's cleaning out CO2 from people exhaling? And if it's too high, they're freaking out and they refuse to be in the room. Am I, am, am I off base? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. See, but, I'm smart but, enough. I'm like a third grade level education. But the part you're, you didn't get was that as they see the number climb higher, uh, they start breathing more and more on the CO2 meter, driving it up even further. It's a death spot. It's a death spot. <laughs> it's the Heisenberg uncertainty of CO2 measurement. The more yeah. you measure it, the more it changes the measurement. Now, listen, there's so many places we're going to jump in on this. But uh, one, I just want to let the listener know that we're not making this up. There are a number of high-profile accounts. We're talking physicians, professors, doctors, people who have been very vocal through the pandemic. And they are posting tweet after tweet. And it's like, I'm like, what am I looking at? And it's a, a photograph of the CO2 meter. At, one of them was at a play, and in the background you see the um, what's that called? The program to a play, and that's in the backdrop, and uh, the CO two meter is getting getting higher and higher. At I think at intermission or something, somebody else is on at a plane, and um, you know besides the fact that they got to be pretty much the biggest buzzkill at the play, <laughs> but 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 first I would even go further and say if you even know the scale. I think, you know, questions have to be raised. Like, you know, I, I actually had to look yeah. it up. Like, I don't even know what the warning that 1800, Okay, but here's the first thing. There was somebody who said, before all the things we're going to talk about, somebody made a simple point, which is, does this actually tell you something you don't know? You know, when you're in a room, you can look around and see, are the windows open? Is it stuffy in here? How many people are in here? That's what your eyes tell you, right? And the CO2 meter... Does it really tell you anything your eyes are not telling you? This person had a very fundamental question, which is that, are you actually getting information or is it just stoking, you know, putting a number to what you can look around and see? Um, that I'm in a stuffy room with five people or they that didn't turn on the air conditioner. Yeah, it's like the, it's the equivalent of like daily hematocrits or, or QID hematocrits on someone who's crit's been stable and they're not bleeding. And you're like, why, why are we even doing this? Why like, are we, we even we doing this? We see if he bleed, bleeds out his butt. Like, that's obvious. Uh, and so, you know, what's interesting is that when it reaches a certain threshold, does like Greta Van, whatever her name from <laughs> from from Europe, show up and start protesting the rising she, CO2 levels? She docks like, her yacht. She docks her rowboat right there and pops right. At, no, <laughs> you know, because she rides her boat everywhere. She doesn't take the flights. Um, of course. Of course. Yeah. Don't you put don't that CO2 meter behind the plane. Don't put it behind the plane because it's really oh, going to light oh, up. Oh, it's with a sampling plane. error. Yeah. Well, so this is uh, this sounds moderately insane. So the point is, oh, we went to the symphony and the CO2 level reached some certain threshold and therefore there's not enough ventilation. So what what do they propose be done about that? I mean, what's I, the outcome change here? They're legitimizing their irrational anxiety. I mean, they found it. Right. They found a numerical device that lets them feel justified in their anxiety. Imagine if I made a device that for somebody who didn't, pre-COVID, they didn't want a handshake. They're always like, oh, handshakes are dirty. I don't know where your hand's been. And I make a ring you can put on the hand. And as it gets close to the other hand, it gives you a number for you know how many parts per million, whatever it can detect on the hand. It would just oh. allow you to feed your anxiety about handshakes. Um, and, wow. and this is just a number that lets you feed your anxiety about, you know, Stagnant Everything air. Everything about being alive. Yeah, th this is so. Um, 
It's like it's the reason I don't measure my penis. I already know it's too long. Like I don't need uh, I don't need you know, statistical verification. You don't need a you don't need a number to tell you what you already know, right? Of course. Um, and right. you know, don't I, treat the number. Of course, they certainly don't treat them. Yeah, but you know, I think I don't know where to start. One, I looked up the meters. I think like the cheapest one I found was two fifty bucks. But maybe it's been driven up in wow. price by inflation and virtue signaling. Number two. <laughs> Number two, you know, <laughs> virtue if, signaling inflation. If, yeah, That's if amazing. you don't take a selfie of the CO two meter, does it? Did you even get a reading? You know, it's part <laughs> of it is the the thrill, the thrill of posting for your friends and family. Look at me, you know, here I am, you know, and 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 they act like they're like a coal miner or something, and you know, they're really testing the limits of what human beings can do, or they're like a an alpine an alpinist climbing to eight thousand meters. They act like they're doing something remarkable to sit in a room with thirty five hundred. It's probably you know, it's no big deal, and of course. It just, it, Go ahead. Yeah, it just reminds me of the scene from Zoolander where he's like, Dad, I think I have the black lung. <laughs> <laughs> he's like been in a mine for like a minute. Um, yeah. This sounds like mental, mentally un- destabilizing. And it, it seems like, but you were saying something, but I was, I was just going to no, say no, no, that no, I think this you're is a it. recipe yeah, for increased levels of uh, perceived fragility. And if you have obsessive compulsive disorder, yes. the last thing you want is a measure of how many germs are around or something like that. Like you said, it would drive you insane. And I know this from personal experience, having suffered with OCD when I was younger, especially now I just, I'm just like, I'm too old and tired to care about this. But it used to be like, if you would tell me, oh, that's covered with this and th- this is many particles on that, I would steer clear because I had that condition. So why would we want to encourage mental illness? Why would we want to treat and why would we want to model this as a professor for the masses? Like this is how you should behave. Go to the go to the symphony because you care about culture, but be insane while you're there. You know, um, I think you're onto something and it's it's hard to articulate, but you know, medicine has always drawn a st- distinction between an appropriate emotional response and an inappropriate response. So let me give you an example. If I were to, you know, knock on your door one day because you're not taking my calls and, uh, you know, go in and I'll find you in bed with a box of Kleenex, you're crying, you haven't gotten out of bed in days. Um, It would matter a great deal if a loved one just died versus if this is just a Wednesday. You know, that really matters in medicine. If a loved one died and you're feeling like that, that's entirely natural. I mean, that's what it means mm-hmm. to grieve. But if it's just Wednesday and you're feeling like that, well, then something's wrong, you know? And yeah. and what I wish to suggest is, you know, I mean, go back to if it's April 2020 and you are taking care of a COVID-19 patient in the New York City ICU um, and you're a little bit worried about the stagnant air and you want to make sure N95 is tight – you know, okay, very reasonable, you know, at that time. But if it's 2022 and you're watching the Book of Mormon, um, you know, and, you, <laughs> and, and you've been gotten three shots in your arm and maybe you've had a breakthrough and you're in your 30s or 40s, um, like so many of the people tweeting are, and you're clutching your CO2 monitor, watching it climb, beads of sweat trickling in, hitting the crease of your N95 and, and trickling through because the fit isn't tight enough and you're turning the straps <laughs> up tighter. Okay, then maybe, maybe it's an inappropriate response to the threat you face, you know? And so this is where medicine, I think, has missed an opportunity which is that back in the day, we did want people precautious for COVID, just like we do want people to, you know, when they use the restroom, wash their hands, you know, very basic, you know, when you're going to be a cook at a restaurant, wash your hands for Christ's sakes. Um, But 
Uh, and does that count as swearing? No, I don't think so. No, that's no, 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 no. no. That's it's light swearing. It's just if you're a Mormon, lightly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But we're talking yeah. about the Book of Mormon. Um, yeah, we're but, going by Catholic standards, not Mormon standards. I see. Okay, yeah. right. Yes. Um, in the Book of Mormon, it's a good play. I mean, I don't know what to say. Oh, it's, it's great. It's, oh, it's so brilliant. funny. Brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. You probably could sing it. You probably have the pipes. Uh, you know, it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I just remember going, "Yeah, this is the gold standard of amazing." And by the end, you actually come out going, "Mormons are awesome." Yeah, you know, I also think that's one thing about the play where people think it's like puts them down. It doesn't. It actually kind of no. is, in many ways, actually kind of respectful and, um, and uh, you know, you have a different appreciation. Um, okay, yeah. back, back to this. But, you know, you get my point. I mean, my general point is that public health does need to, at times, get people to be cautious, but it also needs to put equal effort into getting people to relax. And these people are not relaxing. And I think it, it goes right back to Leanna Wen's uh, recent Twitter thread explaining kind of why she changed her mind on this stuff. And she went through and said, you know, now you kind of reevaluate risk and say, OK, well, now I've got these kids whose their risk is they're young kids. Now I had this baby in 2020. This kid's got getting language delay from being masked all the time is not in schools. All this other stuff is going on. They're vaccinated. We've done all the things I believe in vaccines. I, I'm sending them back to school without masks because like the majority of their classmates, they need to see faces and, and so on. And it's like, okay, so now we're public. That's a public health message that has changed with the level of risk and the degree of, um, of teaching that you want to do around risk management, which, again, pointing back to your CO2 thing, this is indicative of everything that's been wrong with the extreme COVIDian stance and the, and the, uh, the antithesis stance, actually. Both misapprehend risk. Uh, in dramatic ways, and we ought to be doing better to talk about that and talk about how you study risk. And and really, that's you know, in a medical way, that is what the alt middle is. It's like actually understanding the nuance and figuring it out with the science, a scientific approach. There is no the science. Yeah, that's well put. I mean, and the antithesis, they got it wrong mostly in the 2020s, you know, particularly when if you would be gallivanting in uh, September 2020 and you're old and vulnerable and there's no vaccine in your arm, that's when they got it wrong. But, you know, once you got to 2021 and halfway through the year and now 2022 and halfway through the year, you know, that side has less to get wrong because, to be honest, the right. risks of re-exposure are very low. Um, and then the other thing it makes me think is the following. These people, for months, Zubin, for months, many of these same people were the ones saying, oh, when should we open schools? When should we tell kids to mask? And now it's revealed that the person who put a thumb on the scale of the schools debate is they themselves suffering from potentially a, a, a mental health problem? I mean, at some point, clutching the CO2 monitor, will I think, will be disruptive to your life. I think it's already reached that. You know, It meets sort of the criteria of an actual mental health problem. And they, were, they had a mental health problem this whole time. And so what I want to allege is the following, which is that, you know, you can say whatever you want about, uh, you know, uh, different policy points of view that you and I have had, but we have always been pretty stable in the sense, you know, having laughs and being able to have, you know, chat and have a coffee, have a beer. And, you know, whenever we're that worried, you know, in any direction, we, 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 you know, we didn't internalize it. We didn't emotionalize everything. We were talking about things as sort of sober commenters. Um, but meanwhile, what you see now is there's some people, they're so worried about their own safety, even though some people are like 30, healthy, no medical problems, you know, and they've gotten all the vaccines and they're still so worried about their safety. They don't want to go to the office without an N95. They're 
they're nervous that somebody said we need to have a back to work potluck and they're like but potluck means I have to lower my mask to eat or to nibble oh no you know they're showing that they they were in no position to be commenting on the COVID-19 debate and you know just like um, you know if you're hanging on to a cliff for dear life with one hand that's not the person you want making decisions for you know all all policy you know you don't want somebody who's a- anxious and in a fragile state of mind making these decisions but yet they were there inserting themselves for months thoughts and you know that's really well put and i think i i wonder whether that is actually a it's the same group of people in academics and in in the sort of wing of society that's training young people that is giving them this sort of fragility like teaching them that the world is scary and that words can hurt you and that you know you need to um you know, again, you, you trust, you know, if your feelings say something's off, then believe your feelings. If you're anxious about COVID, believe your feelings. They're telling you something very real about the world, that this is a danger. Whereas we know that, <laughs> you know, feelings are useful as far as they go. But when you misapprehend them, you cannot extrapolate truths about the world when it comes to something you can't see, <laughs> like a virus yeah. that, that, you know, that we've talked about. So I do wonder that it's that same kind of general group that's conditioning young people that's doing this now with COVID. And we're at a part in the pandemic where, you know, where if, if Leanna Wen is changing her mind, like we're at a serious, we're at a serious shift. You and know, Paul, Paul Offit changing his Paul mind. Offit. I was about to say. Yeah. Jinx yeah. on the go, segue. Jinx on ahead, the segue. Jinx, yeah. jinx on that segue. <laughs> <laughs> we're two professional podcasters. We've been doing this for years. We've learned We've all the tricks years. of the trades. Yeah. We know it well. I mean, and the truth is like you and I, uh, you, you especially on Twitter have been documenting your thought process throughout the pandemic. I think history is. Is that what a... you call it? Wow. That's I, the I... nicest thing anyone's ever said about my Twitter feed. <laughs> you've been documenting your thought process rather than you've just been spewing whatever vitriol you have in your mind that day. I didn't say it wasn't a vitriolic thought process. I You're just, right. I just said you've you been didn't use the word it. spewing, and that's what I like to that's hear. That's true. I, just like I try to, to avoid, be, yeah, to, yeah, drain the emotion out of it. But yeah, Paul, Correct, yeah. Paul Offit, who, who actually, you know, to his, he is just really a remarkable guy in that yeah. he, he really says what he believes deeply every time. <clears throat> he, he doesn't pull the punches. That's important. in the beginning. He thought he thought this thing was no worse than flu, and he was upset that people were. Um, freaking out about it. Then he changed when he saw that, oh, no, actually, IFR is probably higher in the short run, especially, and so on, and and then was very gung-ho, was terrified of actually vaccine being rushed, then was very happy with the data, then evolved that to say, okay, but, you know, now we've done this. It's good for severe disease. Now, what about this booster? I'm not seeing good data on severe disease, and now we're talking about Omicron bivalent booster, and he's just had it. Like, it's clear. He's like, I don't think science is being done here. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices met this week, and they decided to take the FDA EUA for the bivalent booster and uh, and and, and actually recommend, that's their language, recommend the Pfizer bivalent for anyone over the age of 12, two months from your last booster, and the Moderna bivalent for anyone over the age of 18, two months from your last booster. Maybe one more bit of information. The bivalent booster is, you know, 50% Wuhan and 50% a BA4-5 sort of uh, single analogous sequence that's present in BA4-5. It was tested in, you know, the gold standard of biomedicine Z. It was tested in about eight mice or so. (laughs) Oh, that wow. That's a big trial. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, in mice, I mean— you know, it's 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 not often you forget the name of some of the mice receiving the product you're about to administer to hundreds of millions of people. But yeah, I don't know all the mice name. You know, there's eight of them. It's hard to keep there's track. Mickey and I mean, there's basically Mickey, there's eight dwarfs. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, but sleepy so, but mice now, and yeah. 
So they did test in humans the Omicron uh, BA1. Yes. That's right. And, and then yes. they extrapolated saying, well, how different could it be? Oh, yes, of course, right. And it, 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 by that extrapolation, then why do I need a booster for a new strain at all, right? How different can it be right. than the Wuhan strain? Right. Yeah, right. I mean, right. yes. But, now, but, but and you should know one flu thing. logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. But Health Canada yeah, we'll actually that. approved the Wuhan BA1. They didn't approve oh. the Wuhan BA5, 45. So I saw somebody say in Canada, this vaccine was given to hundreds of people, literally hundreds. And I was like, well, that's a different one than what we have here. That's one. And two, a. literally hundreds is actually not that lot. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah, okay, yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah, find a yeah. signal, uh, one in 100K, uh, one in 10K but, signals. Nah, okay. All right, but anyway, you know, no. you listen to, yeah, you listen to Peter Marks or, yeah. or some of these officials talk, and they'll say, no, 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 but this is a vaccine that's been given to billions of people, so we know there's safety data here. But no, no, but it's not the same yeah, vaccine. The and to extrapolate the flu antigen shift vaccine to this i think is it they're totally different vaccine products so i think that's a bit of a, of a, of a now again do i think there's a big safety thing that's going to come out no but is it possible sure but really i just question is the benefit there why yes. are we doing this like, and you know the flu comparison i think one thing that i saw somebody say this guy todd lee who's an infectious disease doctor in mcmaster canada he said something i'm oh, no, sorry in, in in montreal in in quebec in montreal um he said something in mcgill he said something very interesting where he says if anything it should make us revisit our protocols for flu they've been there for a quarter century half uh, a century you know yeah. evidence-based medicine gets better with time maybe we could be doing better studies and he cited a randomized controlled trial of of flu vaccines um yeah i think there's a lot of truth to that but i mean i think the reality is it's a different product in so many ways one you know we talked about this on a prior episode it's reactogenic two um the myocarditis safety signal has made an appearance three as you change the sequence, you could get less myocarditis, but you could also get a whole lot more. You have no clue. Four, mm -hmm. you know, four, I think the biggest part is, is like medicine, do you really need a one-size-fits-all recommendation? I mean, do we really need right. to be aggressively chasing 13-year-olds to boost them? I mean, we should be chasing 83-year-olds, 93-year-olds. If, if the yep. EUA was for, I would say, 65 and older uh, or chronic indwelling nursing home residents— I'd have no, I'd have no real objection no, with it. Really, no problem. Yeah, that's really precautionary no pr principle. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, we might actually, yeah, exactly. But for a young person, and the problem is the policy bleed from what CDC and HIP and these guys recommend is actually damaging because the policy bleed is mandates for yes, because a product. Yeah, because like I see that Wake Forest has already mandated it. A number of universities ah, are yeah, saying yeah, that, yeah. It, you, that you, we need you to be boosted, and now you can no longer get the old booster. You got to get the new booster. Um, you know, to and, and, mandate you know, something. I mean, who, I've never. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the people who are making those mandates are the ones who go to go see Book of Mormon with a CO two meter and tweet that's, about it. That's and that's you a know? very I mean, important that's point. That's a very yeah. important point. I mean, one hand is mandating and the other hand is clutching the CO two monitor. <laughs> that's right. That's I mean, right. it's some and truth. It, like, yeah. How? I mean, I don't want the person mandating to be somebody who's irrat who's like a panicked and scared. Yeah. Right. Making policy. You know, uh, yeah, it, this is um, concerning. And I think Paul has talked about this. He's going to come on the show in a week or two and we're going to talk about it. You know, and, and this is a fierce advocate for vaccines, like one of the, the real legends. In oh, what? Space, it, uh, like, did he even make one or something? Yeah, something like that. Mm, and he might have written a few books on it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You he know might what that's get, called? Like, death threats from anti-vaxxers. <laughs> That's called the long con, Z. It's a long con. Oh, he was it is. always waiting, mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. waiting. Him mm -hmm. and Andrew Wakefield, they yep. were just waiting, Wait, they're in waiting cahoots. to pounce. <laughs> Him and Andrew are in cahoots. cahoots like yeah, Wakefield pounce. and Offit have just been waiting. They're like, excellent, Smithers. The pandemic has begun. Like, He's like, yeah. 
Yeah. Write the op. Unleash the op eds. Yeah. He's like, you know what'll throw them off the scent for when I become anti-vax is to make a vaccine of my own. That'll really <laughs> throw them off the scent. You know, but you I, know bet what, there, Paul, I bet there's some Make sure it saves who, lives. Make sure it saves lives first because that will be key. They'll really trust you. There's probably some people out there who believe something like that, and they're always like, and, and then the, yeah, Koch, yeah. the Koch brothers have a hand. Oh, the Koch brothers so, yeah, are involved. The Koch, and Soros. Koch, and so, like, it oh, just yeah, depends Soros, on your yeah, politics. Either yeah. Soros or the Koch brothers. Yeah. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you got to play both sides. Down. You got to take money from both Coke and Soros. You That's know what? A key I thing. really don't understand why people just can't accept that sometimes smart people will disagree, and that's their own. Okay, yeah. anyway, anyway, yeah. that's an aside yeah. issue. But yeah, you know, I was just telling you before the show that um, it's important that you have Paul on for these conversations, and that they're part of historical record. You know, historians yeah. will look back and they'll say in in the. Uh, in the COVID-19, there'll be the pandemic and then there'll be another phenomenon they'll call the craze where people like took it to a new <laughs> level and they had all these self inflicted yeah. And they were like, you know, it was a, there was going to be a pandemic. It was going to do all this damage. But look what they also did. They also, you know, masked all these toddlers and closed all these schools and then, you know, uh, toured, put sand in skate parks and ripped down basketball hoops and, uh, you know, kept boosting themselves. They kept boosting themselves until their eyeballs were spit. I mean, boosting Q2 months. You know, they went from six months to five months to four months to Two months, uh, like it's a continuous IV drip booster. Z, IV, bo- IV booster boost with, that with with, yeah. with new new antigens each each couple hours. It switches to a, to a new you, variant. You keep a pump on your hip and it constantly pumping an infusional exactly. boost, po- polyvalent boost. infusional boost, uh, and Paxlovid it, mixed in there, mixed in. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Paxlovid just as a slow drip in, just to make sure. And you know, you still get long COVID, but it would have been worse if you didn't do it. It would have been worse if you didn't do it. <laughs> Well, you're going to blame it on long COVID, but it's really the fact that you've been I- infusing a constant longest stream COVID. of spike protein, right? Longest yeah, the longest co- COVID. The longest COVID, yeah. Status COVID. You get a pick, exactly. pick associated DVT, but that would also be long COVID because COVID. <laughs> no, that would put, be due to COVID because COVID co- causes clots. Co- yeah, cause clots. It put the pick in too. Yeah. Oh, 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 that's just amazing. You know, I could just see like when Bezos freezes his head in a jar and, mm, and wakes up 2,000 years later and the yeah. historians look back. You know, he'll he'll just be there. I was there, Gandalf, two thousand years ago, <laughs> when the strength of men failed, and they failed to give IV packs of it to every single man, woman, and child. And now everybody, now long COVID is part of the <laughs> genome. It's part of our junk they DNA. They could only freeze my head because my body was useless, riddled with the longest <laughs> that COVID. Was so fibrotic. The longest COVID, yeah. This is the longest COVID. Luckily, my amyloid plaques are no longer felt to cause Alzheimer's. Thanks, Ted. Aducanumab. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Even then, this episode sponsored by Aducanumab. Oh, Ask yeah, your prob- doctor. Yeah, Biogen <laughs> sponsored. Yeah. Ask yeah. your doctor, and and if you, and then, then there's the next part of the ad. And if you don't like the answer, ask another doctor. <laughs> <laughs> In that rapid sequence, small print. Actually, like, that should be the Paxlovid ad. Ask your doctor oh, if you're yeah. candidate for Paxlovid, and if not, ask a different ask doctor. Ask another and doctor. And if not, ask ask your pharmacist. Uh, ask a pharmacist, and if not. Ask the doctor of someone who did get Paxlovid at an inappropriately young age, and you will get it. <laughs> there Pfizer. was just a uh, there. <laughs> there was just an article uh, op-ed written in the San Francisco Chronicle by a guy. Mm. Uh, he looked to be in I his saw this. 60s. The editor. Yeah. I, yeah, was it the editor? He said, "Listen, I, I think I, he's I, in his forties so... or something." 
Ah, something like that. You're bad Wasn't at looking like, at photo. Okay, okay, go on, go on. Finish your thought. Oh, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, oh, my God, dude. So I, I was reading it going, what the heck? He's like, I was so safe. Like, I hid out. I yeah. got, I, uh, you know what? I stopped going to the gym, so I gained 15 pounds, but it yes. was worth it not yeah. to get COVID. I'm like, dude, Ooh. you just made yourself metabolically unwell. Yes. Like, th- now you're likely to die of COVID. And he goes, and, and yet, <laughs> and yet, then I decided my sister was getting married, my only sister, and this and this and this. And so I, I, I made the mistake of going to the wedding and yeah. sitting next to someone who swore it was just a cold. And was coughing and sneezing and wiping their mm. nose, and I come back and it, or I didn't. He didn't make it back. He had twelve days of just yes, misery. I read the article, and and so why couldn't I get Paxlovid? Was basically the punchline. And you it's know, like, and to be honest, fine. The, 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 <laughs> I mean, but the fir- the first thing I read was I was a little surprised that this well connected. Uh, Journalist couldn't get packs of it. I'm like, I'm like, you can get packs of it out of a vending machine in this city. What are you talking about? Yeah, Yeah, I I can get you packs of it. Yeah, I mean, if anything, you should you should reassess your Rolodex if you can't get some packs. I mean, (laughs) because I mean, I I met so many 20 and 30 year olds who found a way to get packs of it. I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, but but that's it. These guys can get Adderall. You know, I mean, they just say they have this. Yeah, exactly. It's all in. I mean, it's inappropriate to give them the packs of it. Let's not be clear. Let's be clear about that. There's no data. Of course. But you know, I think the most telling part of that article was. I took all these precautions to avoid COVID. I gained 15 pounds. I was like, so you basically yeah, decided on a net harm. That's, like, that's a yeah. net harm for your health. It's probably way worse than, you know, if you had just lived a normal life and got COVID slightly sooner than you would have gotten it anyway. Um, Absolutely. Gaining weight. And probably that's also one of the reasons why the COVID didn't go down smooth because you, you, know, you got some extra pounds on board. It's going to be able to hit you a little bit harder. Absolutely. And after I read that line, I realized the whole rest of the piece was totally discredited. Like, how can you... <sighs> How can you even – why would you care about the opinion of someone who gained 15 pounds to avoid COVID when that's probably the single worst intervention that you could have for an otherwise young and healthy – you know, youngish and healthy person? I mean – But again, it, yeah, San Francisco Chronicle. It's and like all the because center of anxiety. the battery died on that CO2 monitor. It would not Dude, have if it hadn't died, everything could died. have been different. You know, this is the problem with buying Kirkland Signature batteries from Costco yeah, when you course. can get the Amazon Choice. And, uh, and hmm, save, that's you know, a fishy a promotion there. Uh, yeah. MD, <laughs> prou- proud spot Amazon proud, proud sponsor, sponsor of MD. Amazon Prime. Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime destroying Lord of the Rings since 2022. Amazon Prime because the only time you should get off your couch is to go to the front door and no further. <laughs> Amazon Prime. Yeah. Amazon uh, Prime. <laughs> With our delivery men are taking the hit for co- of COVID so you don't have to. Oh, that's right. Remember when they, I, I saw that uh, one of the doctors tweets, uh, delivery saves lives. Well, my life at least. That's what my that's life. What, yeah, my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, not, not yeah. their lives, but my life. Kami- ka- kamikaze pilots win war for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It works. You know, um, it's interesting. What were we talking about? We're talking about, oh, yes, this, uh, uh, SF, this SF reporter. Yeah, I read it. Yes, um, yes. You know, and I really think one of the other unspoken things about this is, you know, it really is like I I used to, I, I, one of my favorite TV shows is The Wire season. Uh, I believe four is the newsroom or season five. Mm. Five is the newsroom. Yeah. Four is schools. Five is the newsroom. Um, so many great news shows. So much great journalism in America, which used to once have like great city papers. Um, that used to be a great thing in America. What did it mean to do great journalism? Most great journalists, you know, they had to walk around in their shoes and go meet people and like learn things and write it down and come back and do that stuff. And journalism was a field that had everybody, you know, like it was just a a cross section of America was journalists. Now journalists, especially at the top news outlets, increasingly go to elite Ivy League schools. Um, uh, They increasingly live in a handful of bubbles, uh, Brooklyn, parts of D.C., not even all D.C., parts of the Bay, you know, uh, certain bubbles. 
Um, and then they had a job where they could do their job without ever setting foot out their door. Mm. You see the CDC director. Oh, you know the CDC director works remote. Did we ever talk about that? Rochelle Walensky. She's like she's no. a Zoom Zoom employee of the CDC. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, There's like some articles want- that yeah oh, that she's like done God. like I think like 97 percent via Zoom from I believe okay. the that's good leadership. Oh you know, right, yeah. Leadership. True, true generals in war zoom it in, right? Yes. Yeah, zoom yeah. They in. zoom in. I mean, I mean, in. that's why the, all those Russian generals got killed. They actually had to show up to the front lines because people were screwing up. Uh, and even the, nice new, if... the CDC guidelines that are written, they're written by people who are like zoom mostly zooming. It's like oh, new great. CDC guidelines. Make sure wow. you 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 lock all three locks, and your N95 <sighs> is fixed in place. Your CO2 meter is snug in your left hand. When you set out to buy groceries in the rare event that <laughs> the grocery delivery service fails on your phone. CDC's oh, guidelines 2022. Oh, wow. You're kidding me. We um, we live in end times. Uh. It's it, uh, Yeah. My point is just that, like, you know, it's bad that journalism is this thing that's done by the elites who don't get out of their yeah. house. Um, yeah. I saw something where, um, you know, uh, I don't know, some... This guy, so, um, I think his name is Zach Bissonette. He's a fiction writer, and uh, he's also a progressive like myself. And uh, he's also, you know, just a very accurate critic of school closures and things like that. And he talked about the New York Times and like their educational coverage and why it was so bad. And his tweet was so, it was just so devastating because he named like six reporters and he was like, three of them are not smart enough to have gotten it right. So I forgive them. But the other three did know better. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and he put their names in it. I was like, oh, wow. it's so brutal, brutal, Man. brutal, I mean, you, you do but accurate, hold, but accurate. You hold, but, yeah, you got to yeah. hold the press accountable by, by pushing them to higher Accomplishment. I mean, if that's what they're doing, that's not okay. You know, now too, again, they, could they were push, busy firing yeah. Don McNeil for something he said at a, a party four years ago <laughs> right, or something. Right, right, right. Post hoc cancellation. You know, yeah. speaking of which, that's you know double, I mean, je- double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. It's double jeopardy. That's not yeah. legal. You, you know, you can only. He was man, tried I mean, of the crime. He was convicted and he did a sentence. He comes out of the sentence and then right into cancel culture. Double jeopardy. Double they je- got him again. Double jeopardy. Man, I don't know, dude. But I, I, you know, you did see this piece about uh, school scores, math and reading scores for nine-year-olds. Oh, let me guess, um, they're, through, they're through the roof because of the amazing oh, they, job they, the schools have done. They skyrocketed. Skyrocket, right? Like, of course, these kids just taught themselves we math were, and English at home. Yeah, what were we thinking? Listen, I'm, I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, and I was totally wrong about closing schools. Like, I think they should have stayed closed because look how good the kids did. What actually <laughs> happened? Look how good. What actually? <laughs> oh my God, they saw. Two decades of progress in reading and math uh, scores erased. erased. And guess who suffered the worst was kids who were already struggling had their gap widened by an order of magnitude. So And poor minority kids. Because all the rich white people who uh, were on the, on the school closure side— Went to uh, all, Kumon and Yeah, yeah all, all the COVID zero types, they r- assured us that schools were more dangerous for underrepresented minorities and poor kids. Oh, look, it turned out that what some of us were saying, that poors, that schools are actually better uh, and, that, and school closure is actually going to hurt those kids disproportionately. It turned out we were right and they were wrong. Yeah. 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 And, and, the, and the scores don't lie I think although you could argue about the validity of test scores and the utility of test scores and so on yes. that's a different argument but but, but I, I guess but I think, uh, that, that argument would have been present for the pre-test scores as well which were going right. up right yeah so I that's mean that, right. the, the so test what, is the, yeah 
whatever that test is measuring, they're not doing well. And so anyone who thinks that this has been okay for kids uh, and that somehow, you know, we, we, we needed to do this, uh, I think they're really mistaken. I think history is going to not be kind to them. Not be kind. And, and, but the problem is no one will hold them accountable, except for people like you and me that no one cares about. We'll be like, hey, remember when so-and-so said such and such about such and Sue? I mean, I guess, you know? the, I mean, I do think the closest analogy, and I've been making it for some time, is the war in Iraq, and you remember that yeah. the New York Times had a, you know, they uncritically covered the claims from the Bush administration about WMDs, et cetera. We launched this war, we dropped a few trillion. Um, if anything, it might have made us more unsafe by making it geopolitically unstable in that region. Um, right. And, uh, and, and there was no accountability. I mean, I didn't see any of the reporters who got things wrong face any, you know, discipline. I didn't see any really reflection. I think the person who's written the best about it is Taibi. Uh, mm, Taibi is, yeah. you know, really good, man. He's good. Yeah, anti-fragility, man. Uh, yeah. Black Swan event. Oh, you're thinking about Taleb. I'm thinking about Matt Taibi. Oh, from sorry, the Taibi. Stones. I see. This is this is how this is how I am on Labor Day. Like I've already had 17 drinks, and I'm, you've I had uh, you have uh, because of the mask wearing, you have uh, facial neglect. You can't even picture these people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. I have the equivalent of having had a, a multifocal stroke by wearing masks for You know, this didn't long. Brad yeah, Pitt see, recently come out and say he suffers from prosopagnosia? Oh, yeah, I think I heard that. Yeah, facial uh, malrecognition. You know, I have to say the older I get, the more I think I have that too. I mean, it's a good excuse because I cannot recognize anybody. And the problem is like, I'm sure you encounter this as well, being a superstar of medicine. <laughs> um, as, a, as an international superstar, Z-Dog MD, I meet a lot of people and they know me very well from seeing my face on the thing, but I'll meet them once and then they'll run into me again and be like, hey, and I'll be like, I don't know you because I only have so much data capacity. And for faces, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. It's really bad, dude. Like, I mean, I guess I, doing anything like a podcast or a video that sometimes the audience knows you very well, but obviously you don't know them very well. It's natural. Yeah, it becomes uh, a little asymmetric. I don't get recognized in person nearly as much as you do, but I think it's also, I mean, maybe you have a more recognizable face. I well, it's because you were more prominent as a on Twitter and on audio podcast before you started mm. doing videos. So when and they so hear my probably, silk, the silky sound of my voice, they'll that's know it's right. Me. In fact, yeah. you've I, we've heard that right. People have said they heard your voice and recognized you. They're and like, I and heard talked. this voice. I dropped my calculator and I came running. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and that's my that's my target demo. That's, that's my target, target demo. demo. Yeah. But then your target demo to run from is I I heard your voice and I dropped my CO two oh, my CO two monitor and pulled out my mace and began running towards you. Actually, yeah, running right. from you because they were convinced you of had COVID. I'm pro yeah. yeah. That's, and and yeah. immediately towards a Krispy Kreme donut because if you don't eat one every day, you're fat phobic. <laughs> you're a fat phobe. You're a fat you're a phobe. Fat phobe and also a eugenicist. And bad like public eugen health. bad public health advice. What does Lena Wen know about that? It really was. Oh, that was really. Man. You know, and I really, I want to know why I really liked it. I mean, not liked it. I think it's terrible. But why did I like it? Like, like talking about it. And I do like talking about it because I think it's a great. It just really reveals the absurdity of their philosophy, the cancel philosophy. Yeah. That like yeah, the cancel philosophy is so so pure that eventually everyone is canceled and we all have to sit at home and we can't talk to anybody because no one is good yep. enough. Yeah. Yep. No one's good enough. Yeah. Let he who has free of sin cast the first stone. There will be no stones cast. And 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 you know it's 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 good to to public health's defense. You know, APHA did not bow to this, and people like Eric Wadera and others publicly said this is insane. Who would sign this? So um, I definitely think they're good people like Eric um, out there. And uh, 
I give you points there. But APHA, I, I'm going to take one stab at him, which is that, oh, like, okay. um, I don't know. If they really had some courage, they'd invite Jay Bhattacharya, Martin Ooh, Kohlsdorf. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, they're yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. are so brave. We've invited person who holds all these views and person who holds 97% of these views. And they're going <laughs> to duke it out in the rumble. They're going to duke it out. Yeah, I'm like, come on. Invite someone yeah. who has some different views. And they're still, yeah, and, uh, you know, they, their whole website would malfunction if they did. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Can you imagine the outrage about if Jay Bhattacharya was invited to this? You know, oh, it would be, yeah. and It would be pure. Well, you know what, though? Actually, there'd be down. less outrage. There'd be less outrage. Oh, really? Because I, this is why I think, because he is already an outsider and an enemy, and mm -hmm. to invite him to speak, they would try to deplatform him probably, but it wouldn't be the vehemence that Lena right, has gotten. You're right. Because she's in group that betrayed the cause. And, you know, you and, mentioned a lot. I mean, she's a woman. She's young. Yes. She's a uh, immigrant. Immigrant and, from Shanghai. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, well, and I mean, she clicks all the boxes yes. for what you would think you would want in diversity and inclusion, but that's yes. not enough. Yeah, but you know, I also think that um, um, no offense to Jay, who is very successful, but I think she's particularly successful at a young age, and yeah. I think she's also very charismatic. So I think part of why they hate her so much is they're a little jealous too. It's unmasked she's good. Some jealousy. She's good. She's good. Yeah. I mean, I think she's good. I mean, uh, like you can disagree with somebody and think they're good. Uh, you know, that's, that's how, right. You know, I'll give you an example. I used to listen to the oral arguments from the Supreme Court on my pod, on the pod. This was back before there were a lot of good podcasts, you know? There was just, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you really had to go down the, down the bar, down the, you do down the some rabbit hole, yeah. yeah, down the rabbit hole. And I used <laughs> to listen, and there's this guy, Paul D. Clement, who was a solicitor general, I think under George Bush, and Paul D. Clement is somebody who I literally disagreed with about, you know, the vast majority of the, the sociopolitical issues in which I ha actually know enough to have an opinion. I disagree with him. But the guy was just so good on this oral argument. They'd ask him questions he wouldn't expect. And a lot of people, you'd listen to this oral argument of the court, and they would always evade. They wouldn't answer the question of the justice. Uh, they, would they would answer whatever question they had pre-prepared something. This dude right. would always say, he would always say, he would stop. He'd say, your question is this. He usually put it back to them even more succinct than they said it. And then he would actually try to answer it. As, as, wow. and, and he was really good. Really good. Wow. And I was like, So you would like oh. steel man their question. Yeah. 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 Steel manned it and then answered it and, and then also tried to slip in some stuff that he wanted to talk about. And then I was like, look, I disagree with the dude, but you got to give him credit. He is, he is good. And I think he's one I, of the pers people who've argued the most cases, et cetera. See, I, and it's useful to get a well articulated uh, argument from views that you disagree with so you can see where maybe your own beliefs might be a little loose or not quite, quite there. I, I used to love when I was young. I, I read a lot of Newsweek. This was years ago, and and that was like my the main old source Newsweek. of news. The old the Newsweek. The old Newsweek. Yeah. yeah, when it was moderately journalistic, <laughs> and um and George Will would write the piece at the end a lot of the time, and here I was this like liberal kid from a conservative area, and I'd read George Will, you know, talking this a kind of conservatism that I'd not seen articulated that way, and I was like, you know, I disagree with this guy's what what this guy's saying, but man, he's I like him. I like the way he's saying it. I like his arguments. I like the way he constructs them. He seems to be coming from a good place, and he's making me think. Maybe I should rethink some aspects of my own argument. Um, so that was that was so helpful, right? But now it's like, oh no, 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 that's hate speech, or I can't listen to that because that's you know we need to deplatform someone like that, or or, or silence them, or just continue in our echo chambers. It, it's not a very productive way to to find truth. Somebody told me recently that they thought. Um... 
that like it's the, the course is finally correcting and people are getting sick of this like we can't hear any other opinions and uh i'm not sure but but it's it, it's it's grounds for optimism if that's true i am sensing a little bit of it um I, I really am. I think there is this kind of like, hey, guys, wow, we went through this phase where we kind of lost our minds seriously, and we're starting to come to our senses, and maybe something will and happen. And they're like, we're just now getting the sense back, and, and oh, I'm sorry, I got, I got to cut this short. It's 1,900 parts per million. I got to gotta go. Got to go. <laughs> 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 Not nineteen hundred and twenty parts per million, parts per million. And also, if if you're on a flight, what? How's that going to help you? Keep looking at that number, oh, beads of sweat in your eyes. What are you going to do? Like parashute out? Because we know do? parachutes work. You're you like, don't I need to study uh, them right, with a randomized yeah. well, control. Yeah. yeah. Well, it has a big effect. But you're like a mm, club soda only if it gets to eleven hundred. Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, and, yeah. And then you're like, wait, club soda's carbonated. No, it's more CO two. <laughs> oh oh no! I didn't think about it. Oh no! They See, that's the problem, Vinay. You don't. Think okay. You speak and then think. Did I ever tell you this story? I've told this story before. When I was at uh, UCSF, there was a um, attending physician, Scott Flanders, who um, was like the like just like the most apex internal medicine hospitalist attending. And I was on service, and this was my third year medical rotation. And and uh, I would say things all the time on rounds that were just off the wall. I was trying to use humor and all this, and, and you know my my colleagues would laugh and giggle. And uh, he would say, Demanya, you speak and then think I-, I would like you to reverse that or maybe, ju- <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just think <laughs> he said that on rounds and i was like oh that's a good old-fashioned humiliation i i very much Yo, you, that. i don't think you could it's funny if somebody said that now i think they'd be oh. facing remedial oh. sanctions yeah the gme that. office would hear about it the ombudsman you know, would I, I hear about it i was just telling somebody recently about something that happened to me when i was a student i was on service uh, as a cardiology service as an old man cardiologist there was another of my colleagues a student but this student had taken some years off was an older person uh by by our by by my by my current standards, it was a young man. But by my standards as a student, it was an older person. But my current standards, right. it was a spry young man. And the senior physician asked the student, uh, "This gentleman sitting right here, how many liters of air does he move into and out of his lungs per minute? You know, the minute ventilation." And the student hmm. was like, "Oh, uh, uh, Doctor So and So, ooh, um, I, I forget. I'm sorry, I forget." And he was like, he says, you know, he's like, back in my day, I don't think he even said the answer. He's like, back in my day, they didn't let students come on the wards unless they had some basic common sense. And that's how he said, it, like, real. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then this, oh, this, this poor dude who's an older medical student, like, you know, I hate to say it, but I like, they found him crying. Like he was crying oh. in the restroom. So like devastated oh. him. But then, you know, I I wanted to like, you know, obviously I wanted to make him feel better. That was inappropriate. Like, no one should make you feel like you're not even worth. And the way he said it was like he's not even like a human being. Pure humiliation. But 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 I had a counter argument for the attending, which is that, you know, like you you know, I, I disagree that that factoid would be quote unquote common sense. You know, like you know, I was saying something. Right. You know, it's it's the minute ventilation is a physiologic concept derived through experiments. It's not right. exactly common it's sense, not common right? Sense. It's not common you don't, sense. You don't get it from first principles. You don't get it yeah. from first principles. Right. You know, he's not wrong that he was like, you know, like a 16-year-old boy, and it was like, oh, you know, when you're, when you're going real fast down a gravel road, you better slow down. You're more likely to wipe out. That's just common sense, right? <laughs> gravel is a little more slippery than concrete. That's common sense, right? Yeah, but, oh, you're driving on a gravel oh, What's my minute ventilation in liters per minute? It's common sense. You know, nobody knows. <laughs> it's not common sense. It's, it's, it's a variable. And by the way, 
it's not a very useful variable, is it? Is it Dr. So-and-so? No. I practiced for no. a lot of years and I can never tell, I can't tell you the time I was like, I don't know, maybe when somebody's oh, on man, a ventilator, that... you know their tidal volume and you know what they're bringing in, you know how many re they're bringing in per minute so you can get a good sense of minute ventilation. Um, uh, and you can set the tidal volume on like an AC, you know, AC thing, you can yep. set the minimum. And, and, okay. Um, uh, so maybe it has some use in the unit, but, um, uh, but a lot of medicine, I tell you what, doctors probably go 10, 20 years, they ain't thinking about minute ventilation. Uh, nope. And if someone's huffing and puffing, you can see that with your eye. That's common sense. Is he huffing or puffing or not? But how many exact liters per minute? That's a, that's a, that's a textbook value. You know, and even, even shaming somebody for not having common sense. So what are they going to do? Like, it's almost like that's an attribute you might be born with or you had a lot of conditioning. It's not something you're going to acquire overnight. Um, so it's a difficult thing to shame somebody for. Although, now see, so I, I'm not sure about his statement being very helpful, but I would say that there's a lot of times humor is used in the kind of uh, jibing with medical students that now would never fly. Like um, like what Dr. Flanders did with me, he was he was actually... It was kind of funny. I was like, that's funny and also oh, devastating. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to tell a joke, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was trying he, to tell a joke. But you, you could tell oh, he, he yeah. actually liked you. He actually liked you. Exactly. So, I mean, I got so, honors in the rotation. But, right. but that but, matters, yeah. But it, 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 yes. And he actually told me he gave me honors kind of against his better judgment at first because he thought I was just a wise ass. <laughs> but then he actually talked to the patients on the team and all that. I was like, oh, but yeah, you know, he knows what he's doing. That's a really interesting point because actually this guy who, in my incidents, the guy was actually being mean-spirited and your guy was actually uh, yeah. being funny. And, um, yeah. but, you know, obviously these days you couldn't get away with either one comment. And, um, neither. Neither, but the mean-spirited guy, he was a super old guy, and uh, I think he's now deceased, you know. Mm, um, mm. Um, uh, but but I think in his own way, he actually didn't view himself as a villain of the story. This is what he probably thinks. Let me just try to, let's put my, let me imagine him. He's an old man, you know, he grew up and he just had, you know, three thumbtacks in his pocket, you know, that's all he had to get her. <laughs> you know, he, he grew up with very few toys, you know, he's an old generation person kind of person. And then he was like, when one day when he was in a medical school, he was taking it easy. He wasn't pushing himself to his limit, you know. He always could skate by, he was always a smart kid. Then one day when he was a student, some attending said, back in my day, they didn't come with a basic common sense, you know, some mean thing to him. And it stuck him in the heart. And he was like, you know what, I never want to be made to feel like that again. And he went home and he started studying really hard and and he credits that moment as like the moment he became the success he is today and so maybe in his own way he's trying to with this new student you know give him that stab so that he goes out and becomes better um this is my that, that, yeah that was a remarkable okay. display that was a remarkable display of either incredible empathic understanding of another human being's conditioning <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the genesis of a, a, a powerful batman villain like he began <laughs> and someone said this and then they said that yeah, as, as actually i mean that's well speculated i'll say this too like i think there was a there's an epidemic of emotional repression in mm, men in general but in that know. crowd oh, a yeah, thousand percent and it oh, comes yeah. out in these kind of aggressive ways because they've never processed you know the simplest of feelings they've repressed 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 and told stories about it and built this shell and then it comes it, it, you treat others that way too you, you know what's interesting is like it's just one last story about about that i had a neurology attending we were on neurology it was fourth year i think and it was at the va in san francisco and my buddy todd was on the rotation with me now todd knew he was going into industry so he wasn't going to do a residency and he told the attending point blank yeah i'm just here to like click the boxes like i'm i'm not because um, he was that way. Todd was that kind of guy. Uh, he ended up working for like Apple and Google and all these big tech companies because he was like that kind of go-getter, bioengineer and all of this. And um, 
he he told this this attending. I think it was it was Raskin was the attending. I remember the name too because I know it, this is all these are all positive stories for these guys. But like Neil Raskin knew that I was interested in it because I found neurology fascinating. And Todd told me, "Look, dude, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna." I'm just going to give you the honors on this one because only one of us can get it and I just don't care. And so Raskin kind of picked that up. And so one day we were getting ready to round and we were getting ready to get out of the team room because we presented our patients and he goes, okay, let's go. And Todd was still sitting there like doing something on a computer and uh, he goes, or we could just send a nurse in to turn Todd every 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, you made a bed sore joke about the medical student. (laughs) <laughs> that's how that's how obviously lazy he is and it was so brilliant everyone just had Todd still to this day like tells the story I mean that that's a good use of humor to jive someone that you know is kind of like you know is going to take it well you know you know and but even, I, I want to come know. back to this mean-spirited guy I just think that you know if you're going to be like going back to him I dis- I still disagree with him obviously um because like I just don't believe that that I mean mean-spirited comment like I, I would want to be persuaded that mean-spirited comments actually do change the life course of people with some like data right. rather than anecdote. He was very In likely the student. The yeah, right. Before I would even entertain it, but I also think that there's no place for that. And uh, um, yeah. and 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 and, yeah. the, and because I'm probably more of a realist, which is that I think that you know, I I genuinely doubt that there is a single external moment that really changes someone's motivation. They probably were looking for a reason to change their course anyway. Um, you know, they'd already decided that they had been slacking too much. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do, it's a, well, sorry. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a sum total, sum total of causes and conditions of their entire life. Yeah, to any given decision. Any th- so, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not this one yeah, moment. We, we ascribe and, a lot of a lot of energy to these like individual moments because they make good narratives. But in reality, that that's not really how it probably plays out. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I've said this before in podcast. I genuinely struggle with the entire idea of feedback because you know I think that like it's very difficult to know what to say to someone that will truly make them better. And in the absence of that data, it's sort of like very difficult. And a lot of things in medicine are subjective preference. Um, but uh, you know, I think like this idea of like. Um, uh, uh, sort of a compassionate joking around with somebody. That's also kind of the bystander here. You, you can't do that either these days. Yeah, yeah. See, and it's the bystander that got shot. Exactly. You know, you I'll, can't I'll, do I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll be honest. I teach stage migration, and stage migration is also called in literature the Will Rogers effect. And there's a Will Rogers do- joke. Let me tell you this joke. Um, because we're on a podcast, so that you know, okay. But but I actually do. I have, sometimes I, I before I tell it to people, I say like you know like oh, does anyone uh, not want to hear the joke? Um, why? So what does this mean? In in medicine, there's a phenomenon called stage migration. That means very simply, there's stage three and stage four disease. As time goes on, something happens. Either the definition is changed, or there's a new diagnostic modality that historically somebody who used to be in the stage three category, perhaps even the worst actor of the stage three category, they're moved into the stage four category. And what that does is it adds somebody to the stage four category who previously would have been in the prior category with sort of less bad disease, and it takes someone out of the stage three category with the worst disease of stage three, okay? So what does it do to five-year survival? It increases it in stage four. That's obvious because you're adding somebody whose outcomes are going to be better than the rest of the people there, so that gets better. But the, sort of the, the surprising part is it also increases five-year survival in stage three because the person you're pulling out was the person who's going to have the worst outcomes, okay? Yeah. And 
This is called stage migration or the Will Rogers effect. And, uh, and why is it called Will Rogers effect? There's a radio broadcaster in the 1940s who used to tell a joke. And the joke was that during the Great Depression, Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, uh, when the Okies moved from Oklahoma to California to set up shop, the average IQ in both states went up. That was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, one yeah, can understand I mean, that's, why. Um, it's, it's a, that's ableist. It's um, a kind of it, it, tr- it treats eugenics, IQ as if it's right, adjacent. as if it's valid, that, and maybe it's not so right. valid. Yeah, that's but right. again, I mean, this is just the history as to like somebody might be wondering why is it called Will Rogers effect after a nineteen that, you know, 40s radio broadcaster? Why, why, why? And without telling the joke, nobody can understand why because that's no, where it comes that, from. See that exactly, and you know, honestly, like that's a pretty funny joke, man. <laughs> I'd hate that to be lost to history because someone says it's ableist or whatever. But how like, yeah, would you feel it if is. it was your? I mean, you're from Central Valley, California, but how would you feel if you actually migrated in the Great Depression? Your ancestors traced their roots there. How would you feel then? That's a great question. I don't know, but I would say I've been in, I mean, I've been in situations where people will make fun of where I grew up, which is, you know, basically Fresno, California. And I will, uh, I will uh, chime in and agree that it is a challenged place, but uh, it's still home. But I don't think I get particularly offended, but everybody's different. But so what? It's not my right not to be, be not, not to be offended. You know, like I, I think that's. Yeah, that's just and happen, I also think know? like I don't know. I mean, you know, people make fun of where I'm from in Northwest Indiana, and I say, you know, you can say whatever you want, but I'll be damned if you say, oh gosh, I screwed up. Oh, oh, damn does the damn doesn't count. Damn is it like doesn't? a light. Well, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use uh, South Park rules here. Like, um, if you can say it on South Park without a bleep, it's not it it's not cursing. It's it's an extended it's stage migration of cursing. So, the- <laughs> well, what I was gonna say was, you know, you could say what you want about Northwest Indiana, but you better not say a single foul word about Mount Baldy. Mount Baldy is uh, one of the premier Indiana sand dunes, very close to where I grew up, oh. and uh, it is spectacular. Mount Baldy is terrific. So Hundred and twenty some feet, yeah. As a high that's the mountain player, you'll yeah. die on. Like that's the one. That's the peak. Mountain that's like, yeah. Like, well, actually, and in, fa- in fact, you're no longer allowed to climb it because a few years ago, uh, logs apparently can get trapped in these uh, sand dunes, and the logs can oh. rot, and they create what they call, I think, a devil's chimney. Uh, an oh. astute re- and a devil's chimney means somebody can be walking on the top, the log has rotten away, and so there's an air pocket that you can fall into, and some boy got sucked into a devil's chimney, and so they have since closed Mount Baldy. Oh. So it may not be the hill I quote unquote die on because. Because they cannot the, get to the top. You know. <laughs> the creep of safety continues. You know, devil's chimney sounds like a euphemism for you've had too many onions and garlic and you're going to bed. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, oh, like, dude, he's, he's, oh, he's going to be a devil's chimney tonight. <laughs> there was another thing I saw as a euphemism. Oh, yeah. There's a New England Journal article where it says, oh, let me pull it up. It wasn't people. It wasn't smokers because that's no longer. You're not allowed to say it. It was something new. I'll tell you what it is. Oh, right. You can't say. Did you know you that? I didn't know you smokers. can't say. No, it's not even making fun. It's just using the term smokers as like a matter of fact description of the the fact that they smoke. I mean, what? No, yeah, it's not making fun. It's New England Journal article. Hold on. Oh, it's like you can't you can't call people homeless anymore. They're like experiencing homelessness or they're unhoused. No, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's unhoused. Um, unhoused, right? Although I don't know if I fully understand that one either. But right. um, um, oh, where is it? I like hobo personally. I find it to be a non-stigmatizing term. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that also would be said by Will Rogers, and it's not going to earn yeah, you any that's friends. True. Oh, 73 year old hobo presents with a but, maggots you know, in his feet. I mean, you know, language like, uh, you know, morality, all this stuff is evolving. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I don't know. They did used to say that. Um, but, yeah. but, 
This one got me. Oh, I can't find it. What is no. going? No. Sounds guy. good. Yeah, hold on. You, we need you, like Rogan's guy to Google stuff. Lo- yeah, yeah, no, I don't have Rogan's Oh, you want to be entertained? Phone. See, well, Will Rogers, 1940, was talking, uh, telling a story about the Okies from Muskogee, and they came to California, and the IQ of both uh, both places went up. <laughs> hey, did you ever wait, watch wait. Uh, Bo Burnham Inside? You know what? I have not seen it, but many people have told me to watch this. Yeah, you, you'd like it. They say it's quite good. I think it's you might have told quite, me. I know someone else did. It's quite good. And a guy like it's you, music who's and a the guy music, sings songs. musical and and uh, you know, some people would say thoughtful. You would like it a great deal. Some might say. Well, you know, I'm supposed to do these talks this year, finish out the year with five travel talks, and I'm not going to be doing the usual song and dance. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not going to be performing all this karaoke music that I normally do. I'm just going to tell them what's up. And uh, that'll be the end of my speaking career. So I'm just no. I think you should make a new talk called, um, you know, your whole talk. I mean, I've I think I've heard your talk before years ago. It's about um, how you've evolved as a doctor over time. But I think there's one more one point oh two point oh three point oh yeah yeah one more chapter of that is how have you evolved as a doctor in the era of COVID nineteen yeah because there's a lot of evolution. You're not the same. Yeah. How do you um, see people? How do you see the mind? How do you see division? How do you and see how and how do you see the role of expertise patients? and authority? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Because you be used to be somebody to do, who, I mean, expertise and authority pre-pandemic was genuinely on the side of right more often than on the side of wrong, but expertise yeah. and authority in times of um, uh, of turmoil uh, is uh, uh, is more problematic. Um, it it can often be on the side of wrong. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, when we're talking about policy, which is not science. It's the application of values. It, it relies and on, oh, here it is. Bronchodilators in symptomatic tobacco exposed persons. It's not what? smokers in, in tobacco They're exposed. They're TEP now? They're TEPs. <laughs> oh, tobacco exposed. Oh, my God. Tobacco exposed person. Right, because, you know, you could be tobacco exposed but not have been a smoker. You could be a secondhand smoker. But, but, you but can't that's say different that. because the risks have always been substantively different in secondhand smoke. Um, yeah. Than than primary smoking. So I mean, so it this does is con- primary it conflates... smoking or cause? No, I mean tobacco exposed here. I think means that they had to have all of them. The tobacco exposure has to be at the lips level. It can't be at the oh. you know. I mean, it has to be very. I see. I Let me see, double I check. See. Let me double check. It can't be via the devil's chimney, right? No, no, not from the devil's <laughs> chimney. It's from. Sounds like a good uh, cigarette uh, brand. Oh, the actually. methods say we assign persons who had a tobacco smoking history of at least ten pack years. Oh, okay. Not a tobacco exposed history. Secondhand exposure of ten pounds. Of oh, course okay, not. Okay, okay, okay. Because not. there's a big difference between being exposed and and smoking, and sucking it through. Yeah, and the difference is the people who are exposed get unfiltered cigarettes. <laughs> They're oh, yeah. smoking Marlboro Reds, man. <laughs> I think it's. I don't know. I mean, you worry that. Um, let me put it differently. Yes, language evolves, and yes, it will get better over time. But we should also be careful that it doesn't become a distraction and obsession into and of itself. And right, um, right. a lot of the problem with these movements are they actually the actual person who you seem you say you care about and you're 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 working very hard to come up with the non pejorative word to describe it. They're not a smoker. They're a tobacco exposed person. They're a tep. You know whatever you're you know you care about the tep or you care about the smoker, but you spend so much time obsessed about calling them teps or smokers that at the end of the day you forget about how you're even helping them. And that's where we yep. are as a culture. We're forgetting that you actually have to help the person. The tap and then, or the smoker. And then we all end up unhoused. And who <laughs> wants to be unhoused, okay? I'd prefer to be a hobo. Quite
quite frankly. Hey, you know, in the Bay Area, unless you've got a few mil in the bank, we're all unhoused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's unhoused. <laughs> we're a culture of hobos. The only thing exactly. we had going for us was that most days when you're unhoused, the weather is perfect, but today happens nice. to be sweltering, Dude, a swelter It's like 100 box. degrees. Not Luckily, well. I have air conditioning down here in the suburbs, but up in the city, you don't have it though, right? Yeah, the cities. I think as a general rule in uh, San Francisco City, air conditioning is sparse. And yeah. uh, but also as a general rule, it's the coolest place on on planet Earth. It's only it 80, really is. 89, which is probably maybe even the daytime high record. I mean, typically the typically the high temperature is like usually under 70. Um, yeah. You know, the, tw- the Twain that the quote that's uh, attributed to Twain that I hear he never said. Let's not let right. listeners get any footing on us. The coldest winter <laughs> I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. A lot of truth right. to that. But you know what? It's you spend a lot of time in Central Valley, and you'll be begging for that cold. In an era Dude. before air conditioning, it probably was quite pleasant to be in San Francisco cold. Yeah, yeah. to be honest, uh, that's exactly right. And w- the reason San Francisco is partially partially the reason they're cold is that the Central Valley of California is so hot. It draws in um, through yeah. through the high the low pressure of the, the hot air. Or high pressure, I forget. Yes, uh, yes. go on. You're getting you, there. You're getting there. Yeah. yeah, you you end up with a vacuum effect that draws in cold, uh, denser air from the coast over the cold Pacific. And since water has a higher heat capacity than land or air, wow. you wow. can absorb a lot of sunlight wow. before the temperature rises. So that water is cooler for the same amount of sun exposure, which is why we get an Indian summer, the so-called um, Indian summer in September, because that water's been absorbing heat for the whole summer. Deeply and Slowly term. rising. Deep inappropriate term but go on, go on. <laughs> go on has been absorbing energy over the summer and raising its temperature so the heat capacity has been storing that energy and now it gives it back to the air which has a lower heat capacity that then heats the air at a time when even though solar radiation is decreased overall temperatures rise and this is the meteorologic effect it generates this dense fog in the summer that blows in and cools san francisco with natural air conditioning but the central valley stays quite hot so that's my understanding of the media boom and that's what you get on vpzd a hard-hitting news show (laughs) meteorology medicine policy oncology everything in between that concludes the show we can't you can't end on a better note than that zd and i made a penis joke at some point i did and i didn't 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 swear we didn't we didn't swear beyond beyond south park rules and uh by stage migration we did not swear we didn't we did it. I yeah. think we did it. We did a Labor Day show. We did a Labor Day show, and the the audience here can uh, can fact check you about the uh, climate of uh, California. I'd love to see that in the comments. So oh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to see. I, I don't want email. feedback about anything else except that last bit. But I, I think he's pretty right. That's how I understand it vaguely. <laughs> I, I'm going to get right. canceled by TV weatherman. Like with green, they'll cancel me on a green. There's screen. probably like climate <laughs> climate Twitter or, or no, sorry, weather oh, yeah. weather Twitter. Is it well? First of all, is this weather or climate? It's a climate related uh, yeah, event. So. But anyway, but they may come at you hard. You know, oh, yeah. not since and the I'm Cal okay. Academy will you be cruising for a bruising until you get walking listen, the, the crosshairs <laughs> of climate Twitter. Listen, I've, I've seen Anchorman and Anchorman 2. I know how to fight, you know, street rules when it well, comes to rules. weather people. So, and notice I said people because women and men can both, and non-binary, yes, can all be can, weather can, people. Yeah. Um, and animals too, weather animals, weather beings. That's what they are. Guys, I think we did a thing. Um, thank you, Vinay, for lighting up my uh, Labor Day weekend with the joy of conversation. Your dad will be pl- proud to know that like, uh, that, y- that you worked most of the day. Uh- oh, yes. <laughs> Every day is Labor Day. <laughs> until next time. And you, yeah. yeah, until oh, no, next we gotta time. Oh, no, we got to do our plugs. We got to do our plugs. Oh, yeah. Do yours. Do yours. Okay. Oh, what are the plugs? The plugs are. Or I'll do mine. Follow me on YouTube. 
Vinay Prasad, uh, MDMPH on the YouTube channel. Got a lot of fun videos for you about COVID-19 pandemic and other topics. There's some oncology videos in there, but you know what? They don't get the same read. They don't get the same viewership. The they don't get the same juice. I wonder why. Nobody wants to understand non-inferiority <laughs> margins. I got a hot video on anti margins. People, come on. Stage migration. Come on. Come on. Yeah, they don't want it. They're not into that. Okay, but they're also come good videos in on COVID. And then Substack. Uh, Sensible Medicine is a subject we're all working on with a bunch of other people. they got a lot of different voices. Andrew Foy has a great paper out about some cardiology study today. I had something about that CO2 monitor. I've got my own Substack, that I Prasad Observations and Thoughts, where I take a deeper dive on some things and I have more sort of thoughts. And today I have one on the experts in medicine that you might enjoy. Um, we do our show together and that's it, you know. And then I do Plenary Session, which is the audio version of uh, Oncology Podcast. You can check that out. Yeah. Wherever podcasts are found. Wherever podcasts are found. And I want to give that plug for Sensible Medicine. I'm a consumer of Sensible Medicine's content. It is really good. It's diverse. It's broad. And it'll just get you thinking about stuff. It's non-political or as, as alt-middle as you can get in a medical space. And I, I'm just really happy to be even adjacent to it um, and hopefully more than adjacent as we go on and I get time to, to contribute directly. Uh, you can find me at ZDogMD.com or on YouTube at uh, ZDogMD, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. Even TikTok, believe it or not which is a hellish cesspool of filth and villainy. Um, and you can join our supporter tribe at zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. Please subscribe and leave a review to the VPZD show. Uh, it helps us a lot. And uh, I think we're out, VP, to go Until labor on Labor time. Day. Until next time. Peace.